0: this is where they are building the largest nuclear fusion reactor in the world
1: A friend of mine told me i had to check out this pool america on main street and at the dinner table is talking about infrastructure when 20 years ago they didn't even know what that meant
0: Today, those towers are an astounding display of wealth, prestige, and engineering first. It's impacting everyday Americans. I am against the train, the way it's being
1: done right now. York City housing is a scam. It is a scam, 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 scam. The Shard in central London is being officially opened today, and at 310 metres tall, it's Europe's newest and tallest skyscraper.
0: Hello, I'm Fred Mills, and this is the World's Best Construction Podcast by the B1M. Hello, and welcome to the World's Best Construction Podcast. This episode is sponsored by Bluebeam, which we're going to talk about a little bit later on. But for now, my name is Fred, and as always, I'm joined by my fellow co-hosts, Luke and Liam. How are you doing, guys? Let's come to Luke first this week. you're right mate um yeah
2: you 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 know what we stuck on uh, a mission impossible the other day i think it's ghost protocol ghost protocol what's that mission impossible 4 we've been watching through like all of them the second one was awful like fantastically awful (laughs) first one's good three really really good ghost protocol's not bad but That's the one where he he climbs like the Burj
0: Khalifa. Oh, don't, I can't breathe. I can't, I can't breathe during that scene,
2: mate. What a film!
0: What yeah.
2: a film, Tom Cruise! Man, what a lad! And we're re watching a lot of them, like in ready to like preparation to watch the new one. We yeah. missed the cinema run, I think, so we're just going to wait till it comes out on Paramount. But, um, mate, like seeing that, but also what struck me, I think that film came out in like 2011, 2012, so Burj khalifa wasn't long the tallest building in the world but when he's high up you look you look around and you can see so much just like empty empty slots of land and empty like skyscrapers under construction and yes it's crazy and it's and it's oh well no this film is actually getting on a little bit it's like 10 plus years old and Ghost show how long the Burj Khalifa has been so present for us skyscraper geeks, right? So that's 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 how my week's been. How how have you been, Fred? You're right, mate.
0: Yeah, not too bad. Lots happening as always. I've been in Frankfurt this week. We are filming a new video over there, which is uh, oh. really interesting. So, I having vowed that I would never again go to Frankfurt in August. I've been in Frankfurt in August, and it was like thirty plus degrees. So, yeah, I'm oh, not going to go, <laughs> go on about it. I'm not going to go on about it.
1: I'm just gonna move on. Another, <laughs> another hot few days in Frankfurt. How you been, Liam? Yeah, good guys. Good, good, good. I've just been uh watching the Football World Cup, still still wrapped up in that. Um other than that, not not much. Not much guys. Living a pretty boring life at the moment. No dog stories,
2: <laughs> no dog stories or renovation stories um, now. No. Oh my days.
1: No mate. You're getting, you're getting boring, mate. You are. I am. I am it's, it's, it's it's I'm coming out look, I'm coming out of winter. Spring soon.
0: <laughs> oh true. I true have true. heaps of stories. <laughs> 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 well, this summer, guys, just in case you haven't seen uh Oppenheimer, Barbie, or the Mission Impossible film, there's a damn good video over on the B1M Battle Swiss Dam. If you want to go and check that out, it's free. Free to watch. You can watch it at home with a cup of tea. I'd recommend that one. (laughs) (laughs) It's still still going gangbusters. Go and have a look at that. Uh, Now, we've got a really cool episode for you today. We are talking about how to build a spy headquarters, uh, unless this episode gets kind of like deleted by the intelligence services somehow. Uh, You're going to be listening to a very good uh, in-depth dive all about the MI6 headquarters in London. We've also got a mountain-inspired housing development in the Netherlands, an AI-generated design for cliffside buildings in Ireland, Whole thing as ever, peppered with some of your comments from the week, and plenty of debate and discussion across the world of architecture and construction. Let's do it. Let's get cracking. Let's go. First up this week, we are talking about how to build a spy headquarters, a very cool video that came out on the B1M yesterday. Uh, Now, we've absolutely loved making this. You can probably tell from the video, we've really enjoyed putting this one together. It is pretty widely known, in the UK at least, that the Secret Service, sorry, the Secret Intelligence Service, SIS, that's what the UK's Secret Intelligence Service is called and abbreviated to, SIS, it is well known that they operate out of this landmark building on the River Thames called Vauxhall Cross, or at least. That's what they want you to think. Mm. It's what is held up all the time as the MI6 headquarters. It has appeared in various James Bond films from Goldeneye onwards. It was completed in the mid-90s. Uh, Goldeneye came out in '95. So this building has been sort of synonymous with James Bond and the British Secret Service and MI6 ever since the mid-90s. If you don't know this building, you probably will recognise it from a Bond film uh, if you could type it into Google. Um, but yeah huge huge landmark building it is a top secret very clandestine building when it opened back in the mid 90s that was the first time that the UK government had ever even acknowledged the existence of SIS Uh, and it's got quite a lot of prominence now so it's a big uh, well-known kind of government department it is sitting right there on the riverfront its headquarters is named and identified but it wasn't always like that and in this video we kind of went back in time and looked through the history of the MI6 headquarters, the SIS headquarters, how it's evolved over time and how it led them to build this uh, enormous and very secretive headquarters right on the banks of the Thames, which is awesome. But before we go into that, I want to get some more more detailed analysis. Guys, what's your favourite James Bond film? Come on.
1: Ooh, I've got two. Yeah, I've got two. Yeah, Skyfall, because it's got Javier... Bart a minute, and I think he is the best, one of the best villain villains. You know, when he has that thing in his He takes oh, his teeth yeah. out and his face collapses. Um and No Time to Die, because I just think it was a perfect movie to nod at Daniel Craig mm-hmm. as being James Bond, and it was like extended, it was long, it's very easy to watch again. I suppose they all are easy to watch again. But yeah, that's that's mine. <laughs> also, although no time to die. The villain I thought was uh, pretty average. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Just didn't
0: um, just didn't do it. Javier Bardem in that in Skyfall was absolutely incredible. He yeah. the way he played that role. That monologue about the rats on the island. When he walks in and sits down, like yeah, it was really really good. Really good for me. Yeah. It's Skyfall and Goldeneye.
1: Ooh. Oh, Goldeneye.
0: Goldeneye is amazing. It's like a quintessential uh... Bond film
2: yeah I, no, I respect it yeah that's pierce isn't it that's the first one he did right because
0: progressively downhill i have to say sorry pierce if you're listening but golden eye was great tomorrow I never dies was good with the kind of like the media villain boss that was a bit ahead of its time and then we <laughs> had the world is not enough i mean blimey and then die another day good oh mate me.
2: shout out to die another day what, shout what out
1: so I I like
2: Die Another Day. It's not my favourite, but I do like it. it gets an honourable mention because I I think I th- I saw that at cinema, and that's the one where the guy is like the guy gets diamonds like exploded into his face, and, <laughs> and gets plastic surgery, and this guy's like racing cars around in North Korea, and it's it's crazy. But um, yeah, I I do have a soft spot for it. For that Skyfall is, I think Skyfall is arguably just the best one. Like cinematically, um yeah, the filming, the writing. I do think Skyfall is the best one and will be seen as probably the best one. It's aging very well. um Shout out as well to the Living Daylights.
1: Yeah, <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: that's the, the one best- with um, what's, what's the best the the Bond theme? I'm jumping it. What's the best Bond theme? There are so many. I think that Duran Duran. There's- future uh, kill Mad- madonna
2: died <laughs> die another day mate <laughs> oh uh, i like timothy dalton as Bond as well you know but um yeah sky skyfall just like it, it it just it takes everything doesn't it the music's good it's well filmed and and you see a lot of the headquarters in that don't you it gets blown up
0: right it actually gets blown mm. up when uh m dame du is standing on the bridge So Mm -hmm. it it appears in many, many Bond films, as I said, from the 90s onwards. But the headquarters of SIS wasn't always that prominent. So what we've done in this video is we've rewound back to kind of the birth of SIS and really explored how it tried to occupy different buildings through London and how those buildings in a way kind of shaped the service and how the service's approach to its operations then shaped its headquarters. All very interesting. Uh, Ian, our content producer, did a lot of digging and investigation on this. As you can imagine, there is not a lot of information out there on SAS. Um, I'm hoping he's going to stay with us and not be sort of mysteriously shoved into a car at some point. But um, yeah, he's done a good job. So way back in the 1900s, in the early 1900s, uh, it was based, the headquarters was based in a building near Victoria. And the sign on the outside of the office said, uh, Raisin Falcon Limited, shippers and exporters, which I think is where the James Bond thing, he always says it's from Universal Exports, doesn't he? I think that's a bit of a nod oh, a yeah. right. okay. bit of a nod to their first building, right um, This is actually where Sir Mansfield Cumming was based, so Sir Mansfield Cumming was pretty much the first uh, head of the service. He would make visitors go to a different office six kilometers away on the strand they'd then get given the address for this place, and they 'd come around and see him. He even kept that secret from his boss, the director of military intelligence, so his boss in the government didn 't know where he was working from, incredible stuff. Uh, Now, this is the guy who signed his name C for uh, Mansfield Cumming, and he wrote wrote exclusively in green ink. And uh, the 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 thing about writing in green ink is maintained today for the head of the service, and the thing about signing your name C or being given the code letter C uh, exists today for the head of the service as well. So who you see as M in the James Bond films is actually C in real life, or so they tell us.
2: Wow, that's crazy. I mean, it's all probably smoke and mirrors, you know. This is all probably myth, right? (laughs) But yeah, I like it. And the green pen, I always Mm. like a green pen. What
0: I want to know though is are his emails green because everyone's using smartphones now, and (laughs) he's probably on WhatsApp every five minutes. Can you change WhatsApp color?
1: Probably, mate. He'd have a hard time ordering a takeaway, tell you that. Yeah, just meet me six kilometers down the road. Hang on, I'm gonna give. <laughs> yeah. Then I'm gonna give you another dress. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this was sort of 1910. He was doing this, so yeah, his, uh, yeah. his Dominoes would have been stone cold <laughs> by, the he, Jeez, by the time he got man. to that pizza.
1: <laughs>
0: um, so anyway, this this kind of pattern of them uh, occupying buildings and renting commercial office space continued for several decades. Um, but as the Cold War kind of came about, that. That hit its limitations basically. So in 1964, the service was going to move out of another building uh, in the kind of St James area of West London. So it's sort of between Victoria Station and Westminster Abbey. It's where a lot of government buildings still are today. And actually, you'll see in the video, this building still stands there. It stands next to what is now the Ministry of Justice uh, and a lovely little pub where we had some lunch during filming, which was nice. Um, but it'd been posing there uh, under the name of the Minimax Fire Extinguisher Company. Uh, but they decided to move out of there. They're preparing to move out. And the building's landlord started giving tours to tenants before they'd moved out. So people were walking through the office, having a view at the office space, while MI6 were still in there <laughs> doing <laughs> operations. And one day, this Russian trade delegation came through, and everyone was frantically covering up documents and stuffing things away and yeah hilarious hilarious so after that they moved to their own dedicated building or they they rented a much bigger chunk of a, a building which they could control uh they went south of the thames to a place called century house now in 2001 century house was refurbished and turned into flats and those flats are still there today uh, around the waterloo area um of, of london and as it happens one of the b ms video editors kurt actually lives in one of those flats today <laughs> um, i have my <laughs> suspicions that kurt might be secretly mi six agent but um yeah
2: and that's yeah. why he can walk to the office right like yeah. real easy and that's why he's just always going is anyone in the office today yeah. <laughs> 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 i want to get out the house let me just pop down there what a location what a story it's crazy
0: yeah it always takes a little while to, to join a zoom call and that's because he's basically turning all the uh all the gun cabinets back around again hmm. yeah Getting the control and the- screens away
2: and all the Bond girls, you know.
0: Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Putting those cigars out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Takes time, takes time. Um, so anyway, they were based there for a while, but this wasn't that, it wasn't really much better than the previous office because everyone knew about it. Um, the existence of the intelligence service was still denied by the government at that time. But literally, it was like London's worst-kept secret. Taxi drivers knew where it was. Tourist guides knew where it was. People were pointing it out on walks like it was, it was well-known it was there. Um, it also had these huge, large glass windows that weren't very good because you could see right through them and see what was going on. They were easy for snooping. Um, and there was a huge petrol station at its base, which made it a very obvious target, an easy target for an attack. Um, and it reached the stage by the 1980s where the building had become completely compromised, like everyone knew about it. Uh, and in this report that came out in 1985, uh, Century House was labelled irredeemably insecure, and they started looking for a replacement building. Then, in 1987, uh, Regalian Properties PLC approached the government, saying they've got uh, a new development happening on the south bank of the Thames, and would they like to acquire it or take a stake in it or use it for government offices? The government said yes, but they wanted to keep uh, who was going to be in that building top secret, even from the other branches of government. So it was kept very kind of underhand. To avoid any future embarrassment with the landlord, obviously they had the issue in the 60s with landlords trying to work out what was going on, who was renting, wanting to show people around, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, They decided to buy the building outright for 135 million quid, which is not bad. Back in the day, you'd pay a lot more for that site today. Um, but what's interesting is that government projects are usually paid in instalments throughout the construction process, so payments are drawn down during construction as the works are completed, um, and those uh, payments are subject to public scrutiny, there's a public review of how much money is being spent, where the works are, etc. But on this project, the whole thing was paid in full by the Treasury up front, which kind of raised some eyebrows and got, got some suspicions going around it. Um Anyway, really interesting journey. The property developer, Regalian, then uh, designed and built the building to a standard office specification, but with some additional stuff in there that was requested. So there was an emergency generator, there was a document lift, all things that they thought were for a typical big government department. When that was finished, uh, they then spent another £10 million fitting out the building to the right standards, the right kind of office grade standards. They used the same project managers, the same construction teams to complete that. Mm-hmm. and then they were all asked to go away they'd finished they left the building and then sis itself came in did all their super top secret stuff which we're never going to know about and the building opened in 1994 the amazing thing here is that even the architect of this building did not know he was designing an mi6 headquarters so we have a quote um in this video from Te- sorry sorry terry farrell who's the architect. Uh, and he said, I had no idea I was designing for MI6. I was told it was a government headquarters and we guessed very wrongly early on that it was the department for the environment. The building was finished and handed over and I was watching TV one day and on screen it said the British have announced this is the new headquarters of MI6. <laughs> <laughs> could you Could you imagine? That's impressive though, right? To keep, to keep the building secret from the people that are actually building it. I mean, you need to keep track
2: of all of the suppliers, all of the customers, all of the paperwork, invoicing, finance, receipts. You have to make sure that no one is getting a grasp of what's actually going on here. And it's impressive that even the architect was like, oh, I thought this was a department for the
1: environment. I mean, that's a random take, you know. Anyway, but... (laughs) Wouldn't you think, though, when you're designing... A place that has moats. It's got, <laughs> it's probably got panic rooms. It's probably yeah. got bunkers. It's got bulletproof, rocket proof windows. <laughs> Wouldn't you be like, hang on, hang on?
0: I think I'm building well, I think a, a lie building. Of, uh, I think, yeah, it's the Department for the Environment are
1: uh, obsessed <laughs> with security. <laughs> <laughs> well, ap- apparently there's tunnels underneath it that link I mean, obviously we don't uh, they, know that well yeah. I know but what, what I'm saying I, I'm just saying I've, mm. there's an article that says um, there's supposedly a tunnel running beneath the Thames to link it to Whitehall which automatically I think when they're building a spy building I'm like is it connected to Westminster you know what I mean is yeah. there routes under it like surely it's, what? it's, it's five I, I
0: don't reckon it's the MI6 headquarters no I Literally, don't think it is it is, it is so marked or it's, it's deep, covered or it's in cameras yeah, yeah, it's covered in cameras. It's been called out as that by the British government and in numerous James Bond films. It's almost like it's the perfect decoy, isn't it? I reckon it's in the back of some Burger King or McDonald's somewhere.
2: I mean, there's mm. also there's a difference, isn't there, between MI6 and MI5. They're departments of the SIS, right? But they, yeah. they one's domestic and
0: one's international. Is that right? Yeah, or... so MI6 is international and MI five is domestic. But I don't believe yeah. MI six and MI five are used anymore. I think it's it's all just SIS now. Um mm. they're pretty secretive about it, so we couldn't get a lot of information from them. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's interesting what Liam's saying about the fit out. So a lot of the stuff around uh, the glass and then inside there's all kind of there's apparently there's a shooting range, there's ultra secure <laughs> areas, there's a Faraday cage. All that stuff was retrofitted afterwards by the intelligence services. Um, but it's interesting I've, I've done stuff before on prison construction, and prison building sites are super secure places like you're not allowed to print off drawings, you're not allowed to have drawings backed up to a cloud server. There's all kinds of controls and background checks in terms of really? who's working on the project. yeah.
1: Oh, and part what? of
0: the security approach is like compartmentalized information. So no one person or party has the full picture of what they're building or the full floor plans or spec. Everyone's only ever got a piece of the jigsaw puzzle. So I imagine that's probably the approach that happened here as well. Did you guys ever see Prison Break? Yep. Oh
2: my... Fred, you didn't see it. It passed
0: me by. I'm sorry.
2: I only watched it like uh twenty eighteen or something. So like, you know, a while after it came out, that first season, that mm. first season, oh my days, that it just it gets worse as it goes on, sadly, but my days, that first season is pretty much perfect TV. And that blueprints and plans of the prison comes into the story, it comes into the narrative. That's the first thing I thought of when you when you said that so it's interesting that you've kind of ruined the the whole plot of what I thought was one of the greatest <laughs> <laughs> debut seasons of a show ever so I mean it makes a lot of sense makes a yeah. ton of sense that yeah what's those-
0: fascinating about this but I've always looked at this building because my train goes right past it and I've obviously been past it in London a few times it it as I said it looks incredibly secure it's got these huge fences around it there's cameras everywhere. There are lights on inside it. You can't really see inside, but there's lights on. I have never in my entire life that I've been going past that building ever seen anyone coming in and out of the doors. I've never Mm. seen a door open. I've never Mm. seen a gate open. There must be some other entrance somewhere. But yeah, I again, some of the digging that Ian did, there's stuff around how they have to turn mobile phones off before they get in the vicinity. I would imagine that even the people that work there have never seen all of the building because of this kind of compartmentalised approach they take to security. US do a similar thing as well with compartmentalised um, sensitive information.
2: Do you think they have to be careful about who builds nearby? You know, because you got you got nearby. You got like those skyscrapers going up in Nine Elms, right? Literally stone's throw away. And you don't want like a floor, like a secret floor, constructed, especially if it's for, by maybe a a foreign developer, which a lot of them down in Nine Elms are right. You've got American developers, Asian uh, Chinese developers over there. I'm not, I'm, uh, you know, I'm not accusing anyone of anything, but surely that must play a part. They have to be careful of like, oh yeah, they don't get a view into this office I mean in my head that alone what I've just said makes me feel like yeah that's even more reason why this is a fake a dummy headquarters you know (laughs) it just doesn't
0: definitely Mm. definitely I I don't know I mean I imagine they're watching all that stuff on a pretty close basis I think they would probably make changes to their own building rather than take other you know take other buildings but I think what's interesting Mm. about this is there was a there was a change in strategy from SIS so it tried to Not exist and hide in the shadows for a very long time. And the government wouldn't even deny that a secret service existed. But in the 90s, it was John Major's government that said, actually, we should put more of a face on this. We're going to declare it exists. We're going to acknowledge it and name its headquarters. And that's taken a bit more of a. The service has decided to step out of the shadows more and become an official, known, recognized government entity. Uh, so this headquarters was part of that process, but in doing that, they've built. You look, again you look at the video. You look at their past headquarters, and you know, listening to what we've talked about here, this is far and away the most secure building they've built so far. Wow! If it is their building, if 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 if, if, if it is, is their building, building. <laughs> is
2: that, you've also got uh, that G, G Is it GCHQ? The yeah. huge circular building you know and that's is that a part of SIS or is that a different branch of government I I
0: believe it's related again you don't know where that is there's photos of that building which they always put the same stock photo on the news but Mm -hmm. if you look at where that building is I don't I'm not sure where that is in the UK I think it's It's not not far from Reading oh it looks like a Reading building yeah (laughs) got reading business park
2: vibes (laughs) yeah it does it was the uh it was it's like the apple park building before apple park was built you know
0: (laughs) before apple did a good job on the design yeah
2: yeah yeah yeah. refined it refined it maybe. they're listening to
0: us now you know let's not criticize (laughs) the security services too much on this podcast because they are (laughs) listening to us right now but uh yeah it's interesting i think yeah what was interesting when we were filming this so we filmed uh on the riverbank opposite SIS, looking back at the building. Yeah, uh, And again, from that side, it's a better looking building from the river, I have to say, which is why in James Bond movies, it mostly appears from the river, looks more kind of mm-hmm. picturesque. Um, but there was this huge, uh, like low flying pair of Chinook helicopters that went over. So you often, when you're in London, you'll often see Chinook helicopters going up and down the Thames and it's it's really loud and deafening. But it's really weird. So as as two of them went over, they are really low, really loud. Everyone around me, all everyone on the street on the pavement, everyone looked up at these helicopters, and just they kind of went over. I glanced back at the building. As I glanced back at the building, this guy, this guy all dressed in black with a machine gun, like a policeman, walked across the top of the roof into one of the doors. Just like they wow. picked their
1: moment when everyone was
0: distracted.
1: You serious? Yeah. Change the guards, kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Wow. Are you That's serious? Spooky. That's not fascinating. Yeah, that is weird. That is weird. Hmm. Okay. Probably just a sky bloke just coming to fix a new sky dish to the people that actually live there.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's all gone up, anyway. mate. It's all, all streaming. <laughs> Streaming's gone up. Disney yep. raising the prices. What's going on? <laughs> What's going on?
0: <laughs> anyway, I've loved making this video. It's been a really cool deep dive into the story, into the history of this fascinating area. We've leaned in to the James Bond stuff in the video. You're probably going to see that there's quite a few little nods in there to james bond i'm not making a play to be the next james bond i know that i'm not qualified for that i can't act um, or or look at nothing like that so yeah not yet <laughs> to reassure man. you it's not a plan uh, we'll say well guys let us know what you thought about this video get your comments coming in at podcast at the b1m.com is the best way to reach us What do you think of this? Is it really the MI6 SIS headquarters? Where do you think they're really based? We'd like to know that. Uh, Get your feedback, get your comments, get your ideas coming in. Podcast at theb1m.com So today's episode is sponsored by Bluebeam. Trusted by over 2.5 million professionals in 160 countries, Bluebeam develops innovative technology solutions that set the standard for AECO product efficiency and digital collaboration. Bluebeam's desktop, mobile, and cloud-based solutions are specially designed to improve communication and simplify processes across the entire project lifecycle. I've seen this happen for real on sites, guys. It's a very, very Mm. powerful tool. The key to Bluebeam's success is a customer-focused approach to product development Bluebeam works with the industry to create solutions for the industry. Headquartered in Pasadena, California, which is a beautiful part of America, Bluebeam now has additional offices throughout the US, UK, Germany, Sweden, and Australia. It's total world domination because it's such a good product. And um, Bluebeam is a proud member of the Nemenschek Group. You can discover what Bluebeam can do for you and your business and your project team and your sanity and your mental health, quite frankly, on a construction site by downloading your free 30-day trial over at bluebeam.com. You can start your free 30-day trial today, guys, over at bluebeam.com. That's a, that's a generous trial. We've talked about it before, but um, Bluebeam sponsorship sponsorship for this podcast. is fantastic. We appreciate their help and support. It's fantastic to have them back again. 30-day free trial. If you don't like it after that, I mean, come on. No yeah. one else gives a trial like that, do they? No. It works as well.
2: It works, you know. So... I uh, did a free trial with Paramount Plus and now I subscribe to Paramount Plus to watch Mission Impossible. There so, you go. Yeah. Because I was yeah. like, oh, I'll start with the first one. And yeah, but then you're like, oh, actually, this isn't bad, you know? So, yeah. I think, I think it's with
1: working. so many options these days in, in sort of every aspect, you know, like you're saying, in construction or in streaming, mm-hmm. um, there's so much comp- competition. So it's good to give people that. And like you say, if you don't like it after 20 days, you can opt out. I highly doubt you yeah. will, though. Because you probably no. probably enjoy using it, and Bluebeam
0: is now used by 2.5 million people around the world. Like it's a, it's it's a as I said, it's a product that I've seen make a real difference to construction teams, make a difference on site. It makes your working life easier, so you can have this at work to like properly reduce stress levels on site, get the project done more efficiently, more collaboratively, in a faster, more efficient way, and then you can go home and check out Paramount+. Plus, you know. <laughs>
2: This isn't sponsored by Paramount+. Plus.
0: (laughs) Bluebeam are our sponsor. But I'm just saying, you could also check out a bit of Paramount Plus later on in the day. (laughs) Anyway, guys, free trial, free 30-day trial of Bluebeam over at bluebeam.com. Please go and check that out. We'd really appreciate it. As I said, we've worked with Bluebeam for a number of years. They are a fantastic company, fantastic people with a fantastic product. Go and check it out. That 30-day free trial at bluebeam.com also in the news this week we're heading over to the netherlands where there is a new mountain inspired housing development now i really really like this you've got seven buildings all currently under construction with this kind of distinctive mountainous silhouette that's been created by drawing 45 degree angles from the base of neighboring buildings and then chopping those angles to create what they're calling sun cuts across the structures that allow more natural light into the homes and the new public spaces that are being created. Difficult one to get your head around, especially on a podcast, but uh, the pictures of this on our social media and on Instagram are, are, are fascinating. I love this. A very dramatic looking development. You've got seven separate buildings, but they all seem to gel together nicely because they've got the, as I said, the similar angles, similar approach. Um, as more natural light into the homes, as I said, there's going to be green roofs, there's going to be solar panels, there are rooftop greenhouses, which there are some pictures of. The um, whole thing, when it's finished, is going to offer 237 new homes, 48 of which are going to be social housing. I'm not sure what the pricing or the structure is or the strategies around that. But uh, yeah, nice development. This is MVRDV, the people who also brought us the Marble Arch Mound. I'm sorry, MVRDV. I will stop mentioning the Marble Arch Mound one oh. day, but um, pretty unforgettable, to be quite honest. <laughs> so- <laughs> Getting flashbacks, mate. Getting bad oh, no. flashbacks to
2: that Marble Arch Mound, man. This
1: looks good. Yeah. I like this one. What do you guys reckon? I like it. Definitely. I love I love that, that it allows a lot of natural light. I just love like being in... Environments that have a lot of light, a lot of space, it's a lot warmer. Yeah, it's quite calming. Mm. I did, I did see one comment that cracked me up though. Someone said, uh "Who's going to mow the lawn?" <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's so good. That's so good. <laughs> it's true. <laughs>
1: <laughs> new job, creating new jobs.
0: There you go. I mean, if you can't see this, guys, you've got these very steep forty-five degree roofs. Are uh, green roofs? Um, it looks like they've got grass on them. So cutting that with a mower would be uh, death-defying, basically. But <laughs>
2: <clears throat> I think, um, I think this is absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. I love the way the whole project complements its surroundings and gradually works up, you know, to 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 a to a point like a mountain. Um, it it looks so Dutch in the best kind of way, you know, in, in, in the Netherlands, there seems to be so many good, like mid rise towers, whether it's in the Hague or Rotterdam or even Amsterdam. This is exceptional. Absolutely exceptional. We're getting some really cool, like not huge skyscrapers, but you know, like mid rise towers coming through lately. And
0: yeah. The this Netherlands is, do it right, don't they? They know what yeah, they're, they're do.
2: doing. Yeah, they do. The architecture in, in the Netherlands is is phenomenal. I've never been, you know. I've never been. And I'm pretty Gosh. sure I could just, like, get <sighs> a, a dinghy that way from my house and be it's there in, like, It's a 45-minute
1: flight, mate. 45-minute <laughs> um, flight. I know, mate. Like, you, go, you go up, and then they go, we're going down. So I think I go. I'm going to go. I think we're going to go this year, you know, because
2: oh, near me I've got Southend, London Southend Airport, which is London's smallest airport, apparently.
0: Oh, London and- Southend. I've heard it all now.
2: <laughs> it's true, mate. It's London Airport. It's the real deal. Uh, yeah, we, I think they they do flights uh, to Amsterdam now, and you can get there in like something stupid, half an hour, twenty five minutes. So it's it's got to be done, isn't it?
0: Yeah, some really good comments on this as well. So uh, one person saying, this is seriously dope. I got to visit the Netherlands in 2015 as an architecture student and saw so many mind-blowing MVRDV buildings. Other people saying, amazing, so nice, stunning. Uh, Ollie saying, now this is a good design. Yeah. Uh, Another one here from Aiden saying, an abstraction of traditional building forms in a modern high-rise format. Very cool. Wow. Um, Wow. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs)
2: Well written, mate. Is he from The Guardian or something? <laughs> <laughs> or some, some random
0: name on uh, Instagram. But yeah, you find sometimes little gems. No, that Instagram. is lovely.
2: Yeah, no, that is good. That is good stuff. Well impressed, mate. Well impressed.
0: Yeah, we like that one. Big, big thumbs up from the World's Best Construction Podcast here. Uh, now, also on the news this week, we're heading into AI land. Because uh, mm. we talked a bit about AI before, but I think this... There's some really interesting stuff going on at the minute around AI architecture. So this week we shared some stuff from Sarah Asif, who is a digital artist and an RIBA Part One architect based in Dubai. Um, And she has used AI image generator MidJourney V5 to imagine journeys dramatically integrated and carved into Irish cliff faces. Uh, Now, this is fascinating, right? Because I think there's, there's obviously, when you get this AI generated architecture, you get some very beautiful, breathtaking stuff. There's not a lot of practicality with it. It raises all kinds of questions and issues. But what I find more fascinating is the ability for AI to challenge conventional thinking and throw us ideas that wouldn't normally cross our minds or come onto the table. So I think at a brainstorming stage, at that kind of design inception stage, that's where it's really useful. I know Zaha Deed Architects Mm. are using it already, a few others are already. But I think bringing ai in at the early stage and idea generation can be really really cool because i've never seen anything like this it looks amazing i uh
2: i am a big fan i'm a big 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 fan of the design and what's come out here um i've I've really mixed feelings about the whole ai thing though mate you know I, i i just think that when it comes to art forms and when it comes to creation, you know, AI isn't actually creating, it's more mimicking and borrowing from art elsewhere and reproducing or maybe even regurgitating it, right? And so yeah, I feel I feel very split about it. But what you've just said and the way you've just explained it, I didn't think about it in that that way in that context, but it's a really good point. If it brings a different point of view, if it brings like a a, a, a new perspective, that's not necessarily in, an an inherently bad thing, um, because this looks tremendous, doesn't it? It looks amazing. Like this could serve it to me. It looks like a you know like a seven star like spa hotel yeah. or something, <laughs> you know. It just looks absolutely phenomenal. I mean, it would be it would be
0: difficult to construct, maybe even impossible. Right? Well, not impossible. But- it's, I thought about that. It's not impossible to construct. It's probably not the best location because if you know you get bad sea or bad weather one day, it probably it'll probably take a bit of the battering and not look very good. Right. But it, this is the thing. Like it's it's it shows what's possible and it helps us think beyond what we've currently thought about before in human minds as individuals Mm. so i think there's yeah there's some exciting things here as i said it can challenge established thinking it can help us think in different ways but i i i don't mind saying i'm kind of a bit scared of ai in a way i'm not really sure where it goes or how far it goes or how i mean its impact on architecture alone is scary enough let alone the wider world we live in what do
1: you reckon liam yeah, I, I agree with both what you guys are saying. Um, visually, it is unreal. It mm. is; it just looks so nice, doesn't it? It Just like mm-hmm. fits into that rock face, like all the grooves along with it, it. Just looks like it's it's part of the part of it, right? Um, interesting about like saying like feasibility and, and how you could construct it. What about erosion, though? Mm. Yeah, cliffs often are they erode right by the sea? cliffs can collapse right like the was it the dover oh yeah, yeah, yeah this is this is completely impractical like
0: it's the yeah. same with um <laughs> it's the same with the tennis courts in the cave like we talked about a few weeks ago like it, it looks amazing and it's good for stimulating ideas and thoughts but sometimes mm-hmm. on the surface it's AI architecture stuff i've say not all of it i have to say um sarah's page we go and check her out she's got some really good stuff uh, on there uh, other different design concepts that are a bit more grounded this one in particular is particularly kind of you know eye-catching and and noteworthy, which is why I think is we wanted to use it to start a conversation about AI architecture. Um, but yeah, I think the practicality often isn't there. There's loads of questions, but I think if you can get past the "why wouldn't this work" and look into what can we take from this, what can we positively learn from it that's where it can be super useful i'd be interested though to get other architects using this. so if you're listening guys and you are an architect or a designer and you're coming across ai or you've used it in your practice somehow in early design stages or you've got thoughts about what it could do for the practice uh, or the profession let us know get them coming in podcast at the b1m.com It is time for the email inbox. What has uh, slid in this week, Mr. Luke Bly? Uh,
2: Mr. Luke Bly. Um, right, we got an email from Jev Laverick. Jev Laverick. He says, episode 56, isolated theatre. Fred, it's happened again, mate. No. Um, it's happened again. Jev says, hi, currently listening to the podcast regarding the Taipei Theatre. The Bridgewater Hall is... In Manchester, England, UK, has an isolated base. The 22,500 th- 22, tonne hall sits on isolation bearings to prevent any external vibrations from affecting the acoustics of the concert hall. Little more information below, and he sent a link to the Bridgewater Hall website. Keep up the great podcasts. Cheers, Jev. How about that, mate?
0: Fascinating. <laughs> There, I thought That's I was—I thought it was like an incredible niche thing. But there we go. <laughs> what is with the Taipei episode and bringing out, <laughs> bringing out all
2: of this base love. isolated theatres? Yeah.
0: <laughs> there you go. I'm dreading this quiz. The quiz is going to be named five <laughs> base isolated theatres. I'm just going to be sitting there like, ah. Oh, no. <laughs> mate. So, mate. oh no, Taipei Performing Arts Center. <laughs> I'll
2: I'll let you know if I include any uh, of those questions. Yeah. I'll let you know. I'm going to start writing this real soon. But thanks for sending that in, Jev. We're, we're, we're enjoying the uh, the interactions of, you know, Fred's requests. It's been really nice to have, you know, all these emails come in on such a
0: oddly specific thing. <laughs> what should we do next? We go um, base isolated libraries, starting with the letter A. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: they'll do it (laughs) our listeners will do it mate
0: okay how about this has anyone got any uh, base isolated skyscrapers between 200 and 250 meters tall uh, in the western hemisphere there you go let's see niche
2: let's see yeah Jeff, you got homework, going, mate. mate?
0: Yeah.
2: So, <laughs> you've got homework. We, we've, got, we've got other emails in, but of course we'll be uh, following those up in the coming weeks. Uh, but thanks for sending them in, guys. We really appreciate it. And keep the reviews coming in as well. We're getting like, nice reviews coming in on Spotify. want to see a few more on Apple Podcasts. But yeah, yeah, we, we do really appreciate it. So
0: Just to you. say, if you've emailed us, we have got your email. We've got it on file. We're going to read it out at some point. Unless it's criticized, in which case it's probably been deleted so don't um don't hold your breath for one of those but um yeah keep listening we are are going to read them out Uh, guys thank you for listening today as i said this episode was sponsored by Bluebeam. there is that free 30-day trial over at bluebeam.com your one takeaway from this podcast actually there's two takeaways isn't there there's go go and find some base isolated structures that we talked about but also go over to bluebeam.com tell your mates tell your workmates tell your colleagues tell your boss And get on that free 30 day trial over at bluebeam.com. Nothing to lose. It's a free trial. Just try it out, see what you think. Could change your life. Tell your sister. Tell your sister. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Tell any relative that you may have. Um, Yeah, get involved. Guys, thanks for listening. We're going to be back in your ears next week. We'll see you soon.
2: What else do we know from Pasadena? I yeah. was like, uh, Big Bang Theory. That's all. I've been to Pasadena.